fait j'ai voulu te, te téléphoner Pour te, te demander Allo quelque chose quoi Welcome to Arts Week. I'm your host, Candy Hammond, and I'm excited to welcome my guests today, Steve DeRoche and Peter Donnelly. If you're a P-Town person, you probably know them from either Provincetown Magazine or perhaps Peter's music as well. They're here to talk about the summer of 2023 and what's going on around P-Town this fall and some of their own projects. But first... You only have one more week to see Betrayal, the iconic Harold Pinter play at Wellfleet Harbor Actors Theatre, a fantastic production in collaboration with Harbor Stage Company. The play closes October 14th. Get tickets at what.org. Cape Rep opens Trish LaRoge, Come On to My House, a one-woman show with music, opening October 19th, and it's running through November 12th. Get tickets at caperep.org. And the pop-up practices in the park are back Saturdays in Orleans from 1 to 2 at Parish Park. This week, you can join them in welcoming Sarah Burl. And I can give a teaser that down the road, Peter Donnelly and John Richardson will be joining us. So we can talk about that more later. But anyway, thank you both for being willing to talk to me today. You're two of my favorite Provincetown people and just people in general. But um, how are you Thank doing? You. Are you still standing after? I can't imagine the pace of putting out a weekly magazine for how many weeks do you do this? Well, we do 27 issues. Um, wow. So and there's a few double issues in there, but we basically were it's a marathon sprint from April through Halloween. Wow. So you're so starting are, to get ready to wind down. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, it, it feels more like a wind up because October is pretty busy in Provincetown. <laughs> but uh, yes, we're getting there. We a much needed rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Peter? How are you doing? <laughs> um, I always I always cruise into September thinking, ah, oh, it's time to take a break. <clears throat> but it doesn't happen that way. It, it, is really, <laughs> it is really right right through November. I don't know. I just shift gears and start doing music online and. Mm-hmm. kind of stuff so but i also work at the magazine i sell ads yeah yeah i think i've been there 18 years wow so yeah wow. i've been been through some changes there and stuff but it's, it's really great it's a great organization to work for us it's small small staff what are we five people yeah and uh, well and it's just you know as i mean steve and i kind of have run <laughs> in similar circles for years as you know journalists and and it's so nice because with everything basically short of like the Provincetown Independent and the Cape Cod Chronicle, everything is owned by huge corporations now. So local journalism is it's really important and really nice to see. We're really lucky in Provincetown to have as much independent media as we have. Like you mentioned, the Independent and totally. Provincetown Magazine, but WOMR, PTV, yes. like um, it's something to not take for granted because it's unfortunately a rarity. Mm hmm. No, it really is. And I think, you know, it's one of those that until it's gone, people might not think too much about it. But, you know, when you see papers, I shouldn't mention it by name, I guess, but, you know, like the Cape Cod Times, where it's like tons of wire stories now from USA Today. And you exactly. Know, so 
So I'm very grateful for all of the local stories that you tell. And you do such great profiles. And uh, was there anybody particularly memorable that you spoke to this summer, Steve? Or? Yeah, I kind of had two in particular. I mean, everybody, it's always it's, my yes, job. Is so I don't much mean fun. to yes, single anybody out that. Yes. It's, well, uh, hey, it's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, no, I mean, I, I love I, mean, I have a great gig, but two two stories in particular. Um, and I did them kind of both recently. One was around the Swim for Life. And there's an artist um, named Erna Portal. Um, mm-hmm. She's in her 90s. She's lived in Provincetown since I think she got here in 70, 71. And um, she was fascinating to talk to. Her work is beautiful. She's a painter. And in particular, she was um, chosen. Uh, a piece of hers was chosen as sort of the official artwork for the swim for life so it was on the t-shirts and all the promotional Mm -hmm. materials and it was a beautiful piece but the story had this poetry to it because um in that terrible storm we had just before christmas last year um she lives on on holland street and her place was flooded Mm -hmm. and um you know she and others in that neighborhood um you know really got nailed hard Mm -hmm. in the storm and so here she is in her 90s and she just had this sense of optimism um, that mm-hmm. just sort of got her through, was, you know, gotten her through life. And um, she was an absolute pleasure to speak to. And I know she had a corresponding, um, a great show at the Berta Walker Gallery um, around that time. So I loved talking to her. And she's originally from Switzerland. And so her journey from oh, Switzerland wow. um, to other European capitals, she lived in London, she lived in Paris, and then she moved to Canada, then to New York City, and then how she landed in Provincetown, um, you know, studying art in New York, and then coming here for a summer and she had that classic story. She came for a summer and never left. Wow. So it's been 50 something years. So she was an absolute mm-hmm. pleasure to talk to. And then um, a friend of mine, David Mayo, you know, he's of the Mayo family, mm-hmm. which is really well known and really big. Iconically out Cape Cod. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And David has the greatest stories. He's in his early 80s. And there's a portrait of his mother that Henry Henchy painted that hangs in the Provincetown Public Library. It's in the Mark Jacobs reading room. Mm-hmm. And he had just sort of off the cuff one day mentioned to me that, you know, well, that's my mother. Um, but there's a really fascinating story behind the portrait that sadly, be- before David was born, his parents had a um, a child, a son who died when he was two years old. Mm-hmm. So his parents were devastated. And in particular, his mother fell into a deep depression. And so the town was really concerned about both of them, but in particular her, that she was really finding it difficult to sort of carry on. So, um, the community was trying to find ways to just engage with her and help her work through her grief. And so um, Henry Henchy went and at, and made up a story that his model had canceled and would she sit for a portrait for him just to oh, get her wow. to do something and get out of the house. And so that's the portrait in question. That's the one he painted. So before you know that story, when you look at it, you can, you know, there's so much going on in the portrait that you're focusing mm-hmm. on. Um, but once you know that and you look at it, then it sort of falls into place that this is at the same time, it's a grieving woman, but um, she was pregnant in the portrait. So, um, oh, wow. so you know, she's up and, um, going to give birth again soon, um, but she's lost this child. And um, so David just David makes me laugh because when you ask him sometimes, like, you know, David, tell me some stories. He's like, oh, I don't really have anything, anyone would be interested <laughs> in, which is not true of most anybody. <laughs> But then one time I asked him, I'm like, no, David, come on. And he's like, well, you know, my ex-wife and I did go see Nina Simone at the A-House once. So oh, this is gosh. the guy who has no, no interest in every time. I No talk, stories at all. No yeah. stories at all. <laughs> um, so just for him to tell me this really 
intimate, um, compelling story about this portrait yeah. and, and, and in relation to his family, it really stuck with me. I was I was um, glad we um, could get it done. Yeah. And what year was that portrait painted? Um, it's 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 in the town's collection and it's officially okay. listed as undated. Um, oh, OK. And so he was trying to do the math, but it's it's most likely sometime in the early 1930s. Oh, OK. Wow. Yeah. No. So those, those is... two stories stuck out to me from the season. You know what I love about that, Steve, is that it wasn't like some big celebrity or something that you got to talk to, that these are local people with, you know, history in P-Town and people who Absolutely. were part of the community. And, you know, that that says a lot. It's, um... Well, what about you, Peter? How was, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the town is so layered with, with these yeah. with these artists and people that live here and grow up here. And it's always great to hear about them. And uh, so what about me? What's your question? Yes, what about you? I I kept seeing, you know, you seemed like you were super busy um, playing out a lot, you and John. And, uh, yeah, so um, the, my main drive is uh, it's is a, the duo Donnelly and Richardson. Mm -hmm. And we played at the Crown all summer. Uh, we did an afternoon show, which was really great. We were outside in the courtyard and it was almost like busking where people <laughs> on the street would just stop and gather outside the, the entrance. And, you know, it was free to come in, but there were people at the bar. They were all, it was just people all over the place. And it was, it was really uh, relaxed and fun. It was, it was one of the best summers of playing music for me. Really? Just, like, just felt real. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we just flipped through the book and would play like, let's play this song because we feel like it. It was very relaxed that way. Um, and then John and I put together a, a backup band uh, called the, uh, Helltown Cats. <laughs> the Helltown Cats. So it's only <laughs> Richardson with the Helltown Cats. And we played at the beach out at Herring Cove and we had a few gigs other in Truro and stuff. And we had Joe Hay on drums. We had Jerry Kinahan, <laughs> the former retired dentist. Uh, on an artist and <laughs> retired dentist yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we had dan mcgee on uh he's singing a third harmony oh he's great third yeah. part so we had this really great set going and um um so uh we have this versatility we can play sort of larger venues smaller venues um but there's kind of a a, a beat to the whole the whole year so we we played um in the summer, there's we played at the Crown, but then I also run on Wednesday nights. I run the uh, concert series at Herring Cove called the Sunset right. Music Series, <clears throat> and it's real old time Cape Codders that are out there. It's you know it's uh, old you know these families with long histories, and um, so that's every that's been every summer. I think I think it was our ninth year. Wow, yeah, it's been going that. on for a while. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's been really great. And so that runs and the. The Crown and Anchor runs, and then come come fall, uh, John and I start moving towards uh, doing virtual shows. Mm -hmm. um, from the COVID days, I don't know. It, um, we did it because we had to, but now there's enough people outside of town that ask for it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a very versatile thing that you can do because you can, you know, like in the summer we have to kind of keep a very up energy, but uh, in the in in the off season we can do more folk kind of tunes mm -hmm. we can we uh do a lot of original songs uh so it's 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 a really fun ride we get to connect with people 
that don't live here. That's uh, really although, nice. Yeah, but a lot of people that do live here sort of join in as well. And you can comment. We're going to be putting together a YouTube page. That's great. The recordings. Yeah. No, and then, it's, uh, um, well, I think all of us, you know, um, you know, for good or bad, you know, we kind of got used to consuming a lot of our entertainment in our pajamas on our couches. <laughs> and, and there's something very cozy and especially in the winter time and everything. It's like, you know, you get to hear some great music in your pajamas drinking your tea or something. You know? It always surprises me how many people tune in. It, it just... <laughs> I never expected it. It's always a, a new surprise. And we're going to um, probably start the coffee house up. I I'm was going to, sure that was going to be, you read my mind. That was my next yeah. question. The coffee house at the muse. That's, and that's last year, Ron, Ron Robin ran it. Um, and right. I, I helped out a little bit, but I kind of took that winter off, but um, we spoke and I agreed that I'd come back and help out do do more this year. Okay. Uh, I just don't know. He, um, Ron wanted to, he ran a shorter season last year, just two months right um and so we'll we'll see how we have to kind of yeah iron up. it used to be traditionally it was like it was november till may right yeah and through, through mid-may and and it yeah. was uh um uh, i forget what i was gonna say <laughs> oh that's okay oh we all do that yeah well it, it's it's um it's gonna happen mm-hmm. and it, oh it was it used to be on mondays for 30 years right. it was on mondays right and uh Ron doesn't open on Mondays anymore at the Muse. So oh, okay. staffing issues. So uh, so we're going to be on, if if it's like last year, we'll be on Thursdays. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, people can stay tuned and, you know, um, I'm sure, what, how can people follow you to see like what's happening with YouTube and, and things like that? Are you, do you? Um, I put most things out through Facebook. Okay. So people can search for me, uh, Peter Donnelly uh, in Provincetown on Facebook. Okay. And- and John Lee and Richardson on Facebook. Oh, John Lee and Richardson on Facebook. And the Muse also posts it on the, not Muse.com, but ptownmuse.com, I think it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you have to look that one up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I'm sure people can, word of mouth as well, we can find out where you are. I just want to tell people, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Arts Week on WOMR, and we're speaking today with Peter Donnelly and Steve DeRoche. Um I'm curious, like, how did you, you know, because, you know, Steve and I spoke earlier this season about some of the concerns about things that were, you know, the vitriol around the country involving drag artists and things. And, um, and you know, it was with a little bit of trepidation about what the season was going to look like. And it sounds, though, like things were really pretty wonderful in Provincetown this summer. Yeah, entertainment wise, yeah. And I think when it comes to drag, like the concerns, um, would there be would people come here and, you know, act a fool and cause trouble or right, at this right. and that's I, I think a lot of the drag performers, the ones that, you know, the vast majority don't don't live here. They come for the season. Right. And they arrived with their shoulders above their ears. The the national mood is so tense. Um, so they kind of relax into the season. And I heard about a few incidents early in the season, but um the nice thing about Provincetown is if anything like that ever happens, usually the crowd has your back and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a couple of people that gave some of the drag queens who were barking for their shows a hard time. But that mm-hmm. was like that was in June. And I think, you know, the reaction of everybody around them, like shutting it down pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps that 
it ended it. One of the things I did hear from a lot of the drag performers is they have never seen this many kids in their audience as. Oh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, I think the reaction to this foolishness um, about drag and, you know, banning books and all this stuff that Mm -hmm. families made it a point to take their children to Provincetown and bring their kids to, of course, an appropriate show. Um, When you go to any box office, if the ticket seller knows that, you know, there are children standing right there or they ask, is this a show for kids? They tell them the truth. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the nine, nine, 10 o'clock show might not be the best. Yeah, it's a little body. Okay. You know, but, <laughs> you're, you're, but also you're the parents, so that's up to you to yeah. decide. But um, but they were saying how great it was that you could really feel that visitors were making an effort to support Promise Town in general, um, but particularly the drag performers and to let their kids, um, you know, that sort of at the heart of drag is, um, you know, dressing up, what people say is wrong with you. You know, the, the very thing that makes you unique is usually mm-hmm. what people want you to change. And drag is all about dressing that very thing up and <laughs> magnifying it and sort of thumbing your nose at people um, and saying, this mm-hmm. is what makes me unique. This is what makes me special. Um, this mm-hmm. is, you know, my, my talent. And um, so I think overall um, it was a good season um, in that regard that people really felt supported. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I mean, you know, we could talk for hours about, you know, the state of affairs in this country, but I, of all people to focus on, I did not understand drag being the focus because I've never met a group of warmer, more kind people than the drag artists that I have met. And, you know, it's just fun and positive and happy. And I was so glad to hear that, um, it went so well. And just even, you know, I kind of stay away from the huge crowds, but just I had family that went to carnival and it seemed like just overall things just felt happy and positive. And that was just really nice to see. Is that your feeling that in P-Town that the vibe was pretty I think positive? yes, like yes and yes and kind of no. Yes. That yes, yeah. um, the external forces, like all the stuff that you said that's going on in the country that the vibe in town was like, oh, like this is a respite from that. Right. People were supportive. On the other hand, um, just how breathtakingly expensive the town is and housing and all that stuff, um, right. it, it makes it much harder. If, if we're talking from the perspective of like the summer entertainers and performers, it's just, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. They have to really hustle to make mm-hmm. it financially work here. You know, what used to fly like you could, you know, this would be your summer hall and you could pay your rent and you could do this and that. So when you would talk to the performers, not drag or otherwise, um, because I do know there's there were several people who couldn't make it for the season because they couldn't find a place to live. So you you hear that perspective. You're starting to see that there are people or people who are just saying when they do the math, it just doesn't work anymore. So they have to find somewhere else to go for the season. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's always kind of a concern. So it was mixed that. um, You know, it's always a a hard hustle for all of the people who entertain, you know, my husband, Peter included, like it's it's work, even though it's a joyous work. So it's kind of mixed. And um, I think, too, they would all admit that, you know, to your point of how much drag there was in town. Well, when you have that much drag, the competition is that much more intense. I will say I've lived here for over 20 years and people may think that the drag queens would be really nasty to each other and sort of backbiting. That does not happen. That's great. You know, there's, there's sort of a miracle on 34th street ethic here. <laughs> that 
um, you know, it, it's better to support each other. And the venues mm -hmm. do that now, too. Um, it didn't used to be that way, but the venues are much more supportive and that when when they do well and other people do well, everybody does well. Mm -hmm. So um, but they did they did admit like, wow, there's just a lot of drag. So you really have to hustle to get, you know, butts in seats, as they say. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, which I yeah. guess maybe is a good problem to have. Like, you know, I never think there's such a thing as too many drag queens, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of competition. Yeah, no, I can well imagine. And and, you know, you bring up something that, you know, I wanted to speak to both of you about about P-Town and, you know, could we hear everywhere about on the Cape about prices and, you know, and, and P-Town is you know, it's always been a place, I don't know, I looked at had growing up here that there, you know, was such great community and people were tight and everything. And, you know, how do you, how do you see as, as people who have lived in P-Town yourselves for a long time, the, the future of the town? How do you? Um, well, I, I, <laughs> I was fortunate to have a breakfast uh, this morning with um, Julian Sear, the Oh yeah, love Julian. Yeah, and we had a conversation about um, housing and that kind of thing. It seems to be the biggest issue, and there's there's things in play about short-term housing, um, short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And um, he he spoke about Nantucket being um, at the forefront of trying to deal with this housing issue. But he said Brownstown is right up there as well, way, way ahead of the other uh, towns in Barnstable at this point. Mm -hmm. But but the Cape is really in kind of trouble as far as, you know, you, you bring in a librarian, you, you want to hire somebody, and they, right. they can't find housing. Uh, they can't, even, can't afford to buy a house, can't mm -hmm. afford something around. There's just no no stock. Yeah. But some of those yeah. speakers are coming above. It's, it, 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 the conversation's happening. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's 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 one. And I I will say this: like this time of year, coming off the summer, um, I, I often for for people who are newer to Provincetown, um, I'll often say to them, don't if you can avoid it, don't make any big decisions in August or September because you're not thinking clearly. So <laughs> when you live here, summer is a different animal. Right, you know, right. you're a year rounder. You kind of evaporate because suddenly you become a stranger in your own town. And um, each summer has a different vibe to it. And some summers you're just like, ugh, like I'm, you know, that's why like, I think the great thing about fall was when the town goes back to normal. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the beginning of normal. Right. Um, and, you know, people who love summer is like, well, you love summer, but that's not normal. You know, yes. it's great. <laughs> that's the not, exception. Yeah. That's the exception. Um, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, I've been reading articles about toxic positivity um, uh -huh. But you don't want to be pessimistic either, but you can be a realistic optimist. So, mm -hmm. of course, not everything is terrible. Provincetown is still great. There's still great things going on. People are creating great things. But um, people will always say, you know, Provincetown's magical. You hear that, you know, it's my magic place. It's my happy place. It's my escape. Um, that's great. And um, but there's nothing magical about Provincetown. Everything that happens here is a choice and a commitment. So everything that's great about this town happens because people make it happen. Right. And so if you start to take it for granted or you don't become part of that yourself, it's it's going to go away. It can mm -hmm. everything that's great about Promise Town can absolutely disappear.
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the strength of this community and how it's been resilient through so many challenges over its entire history shows you that it's doable. So that's the mm-hmm. realistic optimist in me that um, it's not just going to happen because we're some magical vortex on the North Atlantic. It's the people, the community that make it happen. And you just have mm-hmm. we have to just commit ourselves to that and have hard conversations and do those things. Um, I've said a lot when you look at all of the Cape Cod, all of Cape Cod and the islands and other places like it, um, you see places that didn't do the work and all they do, you just become a reenactment of what you once were. Mm. That when things are authentic yeah. and they really happen, you look at Provincetown, so much of what happens is authentically our culture. It's how this town expresses right. itself. But if you sort of have this wave of sort of seasonal wealth that comes in and takes over and they sort of demand a certain thing, you just become more of a circus act for them. And then it just mm. sort of kills it because there's no place for people to live. There's no place for a real community. You become yeah, a the authentic vill- community disappears. Yeah, You become a Potemkin village. You yeah. prop it up in the summer for the tourists and then it all collapses because it can't survive under the weight of it. Mm. And one thing I said, you know, when you think of gentrification, when you reach a certain point of gentrification, your economy starts to shrink. And if you go through town records since the 1980s, um, I'll editorialize. I blame everything on Ronald Reagan. But you look at the <laughs> 80s when it, when it switches and that you start to see, like, you know, the wealthy just get wealthier. If you look decade by decade in Provincetown, there are fewer licensed businesses of basically every kind since that decade. And that's really when the housing crisis started in earnest was the 1980s. That was the kickoff Mm. point. So what happens if we keep going in that direction, you have a town of all these homes that are empty for most of the year and nobody to run what made the town so special to begin with. Everybody shows up wanting to be entertained, but the people who do that aren't here anymore. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So um, the town, I, you know, we, we've had some tough debates in town lately. And sometimes I look around and it, sometimes it can feel like you're living um, in a big hotel. Like the town has just become a hotel and it's empty mm. most of the year. Um, mm. On the other times, I have experiences where I'm like, oh, it's all still there. It just we need to make some changes and we need to put the community first and tourism second. Um, and I I, Jake, that, Steve. Yeah. Jake Critchley is brilliant that, um, you know, you look at some of the things he's created over the years and, you know, for years and years and years now, he's basically been saying, is this the town of Provincetown or is this Provincetown Incorporated? Wow. And we have mm-hmm. to make a choice and we have to um, put policy in action uh, to support that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, you know, because I'm, I'm no Pollyanna, but I don't want to be a Debbie Donner either. But, um, <laughs> There, there was a lot of there's you know not outside of summer there's great art great music great theater um it's all mm-hmm. still here we just need to support it you concur peter i was just going to add that um as as much hammering that goes on i still love this town like i can't imagine living anywhere else <clears throat> and um me too i mean i <laughs> live in fear that our landlord might sell the place from under us, which has happened so many times and that there won't be a place to, to go to. Yeah. Um, overall, we're sort of networked in and we work hard and we, we just, we keep, we're scrappy. Yeah. <laughs> the hustle. I think you have yeah. to be to live here year round. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, it's a hustle. And um, um, and every year it's, you, you kind of have to sort of reinvent yourself and keep doing things. But there, that spirit's here. 
Um, and fortunately, the big cities are still a couple hours away. It keeps it keeps us be, from being a a, um, a suburb. A suburb, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, so it's it is what's special about the place is still here, as as you mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're very fortunate to have people like the two of you that are speaking up and that are shining a light on it and, you know, writing about it and also performing and, you know, lightening up things a lot by by providing music and, and things, too. And, and um, so I... I'm I am hopeful too, but yeah, it was a little bit of a jaundiced eye. And um but yeah. I think yeah, like you, you said it perfectly, Steve, that we can't just expect it's gonna happen. We all have to make an effort and um so we need to reach out to our wonderful we're very, very fortunate to have people like Julian Sear and Sarah Peak and in our midst and um so everybody yep. speak yeah. up and yeah. Let's I can I, I can say my opinion. Uh, Sarah Peak and Julian say are people who who get it, and mm-hmm. they uh I love I love wonky not wonky people wonkish people. <laughs> they came out wrong. <laughs> there are people who know how to connect the dots. They see the machinations of government and community, and they can connect the dots. And it's tough yeah. work, and it's the long haul. They're in it for the long haul, and that's yeah. um. So we're lucky. We are very lucky. Well, again, as we are to have both of you in our community. So thank you so much for being willing to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to perhaps continuing this conversation because there's a lot of work ahead of all of us. (laughs) Yep. So thank you everyone for tuning in to Arts Week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Je suis quoi